The Tunisian Association for Wildlife is a non-governmental and non-profit organization that aims to study and promote biodiversity on a national and international scale through an ecosystematic approach for conservation, awareness-raising purposes, and sustainable development. In order to concretize this vision, the association has defined the three following objectives. The contribution to the establishment of a qualitative and quantitative inventory of national and international biodiversity, valorization and biodiversity conservation through an ecosystematic approach, and raising an awareness of the public on the importance of biodiversity. The co-founder and vice president um, of this association and someone who I've had the pleasure of getting to know over these past few months is Zakir Boudagawi, and he joins us this morning to talk more about the association. Good morning, Zakir. Good morning, Dustin. Good morning to you and to your audience, and Happy New Year. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I hope you're having a good New Year's Eve morning so far. Um, so, yeah. yeah, so why did you think it was important to find this association? So uh, I was a student in ecology in Tunisia, and uh, ecology was a, a pretty much young uh, field, and it was hard to conduct field work. There is not enough funding, you know, there is no NSF and DNR in there, and we were trying to conduct our research, and it wasn't the easiest thing to do. So we started uh, to gather around and try to make a uh, legal framework for our work and it was easier like that to to conduct our research and uh, the absence of uh, all this uh, foundation for the science in Tunisia um, we felt uh, the obligation and the the duty to to start uh, creating opportunity in the field so we started the association and slowly we we grow our team from four to 37 uh, young experts, and now we are conducting many conservation and scientific research projects in Tunisia. Wonderful, absolutely. And then how, when did you guys found it? Uh, it was in 2018, but we uh, one year before we started going around Tunisia, collecting specimen, uh, conducting some scientific expedition and through that process we started brainstorming setting these goals and uh, having like long-term goals uh, and we said this thing can only happen in the framework of non-government organization and that's what we did we start we, we went through the legal process and we started communicating about it and like that the, the association started yeah, and then um, one thing you mentioned is uh, how you can use bioacoustics for conservation. What are bioacoustics, and how would you be able to use those? So one of the things that I focus on my research, which is one of the things that we work on, is using sounds of animals to follow trends of biodiversity in forests. And this is is possible through uh, setting records and and recording sounds in forest, and then we collect all this data and we try to make inference from that data to understand the effect of maybe climate change on uh, biodiversity or human activities in forest, logging, and uh, local uh, local uh, people as well, communities, and we try to predict what is happening and try to make a recommendation uh, accordingly to the to the the result that we have. Awesome. And then, um, are you implementing? Is that like kind of a new study, or 
are how long have you been like working on that? So this is the thing that I'm doing here in the U.S. with the uh, the Sound Forest Lab. Uh, it is a new tool that I'm learning, and I'm also hoping to transmit this to Tunisia, where we can use bioacoustic as a tool to monitor our uh, biodiversity in, uh, in our ecosystem. And uh, th- through this um, orientation, I want to like start um, uh, telling people about it, how it can be effective and low-cost, uh, low-budget uh, um, way to monitor biodiversity. Because, you know, if you want to make scientific expeditions to maybe remote places and remote ecosystem, it can be very expensive, but through recording sounds, it it can only reduce the the not it not only reduce the the cost of the of the study but also will give you the opportunity to follow the unseen part of uh, the biodiversity that we can't uh, capture in camera trap or see it directly so what makes bioacoustics more affordable than other methods what makes bioacoustics more affordable is that you you buy uh, the recorder that at a price that is not um very uh, expensive and they can last for a long time uh, if you know how to use them and also it reduces the cost of conducting a scientific expedition can be that can be very uh, very expensive sometimes plane ticket uh, the insurance people to to pay to conduct the field work and all those kind of uh, budgets that can be reduced using bioacoustics also it it can give you the opportunity to collect more, way more data than uh, than uh, other methods. And then um, you said that uh, when we were talking earlier about implementing long-lasting monitoring and more effective. Um, well, it's like what did what did you mean by that? So uh, today, uh, not only in Tunisia but worldwide, uh, we rush to make action to fight climate change and try to mitigate it or adapt to climate change. But the thing is that not all uh, action done to to do that are good for biodiversity, and we need to change our way to to see things uh, in a way to to see them both the climate change and biodiversity as a complex and um, and uni- one unit that can be one can be affect the other. So not like for example, if I conduct a reforestation campaigns or or plant and make a large monoculture, it's not necess- it can be good for climate change, but not necessarily for biodiversity. And we've seen this in many countries around the world, like Chile, India, uh, China, Ethiopia, that went that way to reach climate change goals, to reduce emission and uh, m- make forests uh, have better uh, sequestration, carbon sequestration rate. But on the other hand, we, w- we witnessed uh, biodiversity loss, so we need to be careful on how we implement our uh, initiative to fight uh, climate change or other uh, environmental issues. And that's what I I, I meant by long-lasting monitoring systems that we need to um, constantly uh, uh, following through uh, indices and and, uh, methods uh, our actions. How you said that they can negatively affect biodiversity. Um, how specifically does that happen? Like, how do they negatively affect it? 
So, for example, let's take uh, the case of eucalyptus, which is uh, a tree that has been uh, has been uh, uh, planted around the world. And eucalyptus is uh, classified as, for example, in California as an invasive species. And those invasive species, uh, such as eucalyptus, have the possibility to make the acidification of the soil. So when the tree and the bark fall down on the soil, uh, they 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 uh, produce some kind of acid that um, uh, that el- eliminate other other kind of plants. So the understories will be absent. And when there is no uh, vegetation under the, those trees, the habitat complexity uh, will be reduced. And then many biodiversity that rely on that those habitats like insects and other kinds of invertebrates and maybe small mammals and reptiles can't find a, a place where to forage or to live. And in that way, we reduce uh, biodiversity. But then does that, does that help climate change? No, for sure, no. It doesn't help the climate change because, as I told you, uh, we need to be careful about climate change, but also biodiversity. And biodiversity um, and the ecosystem have... Uh, Many uh, many ecosystem services that can give to uh, to our society. So, uh, if we reduce biodiversity, those ecosystem will be will be eliminated. Absolutely. Um, and then, yeah. what strategy? So that's what you're saying. Bioacoustics, you think is the best route to least affect or like help biodiversity, but also help battle climate change. So, through so, uh, what was your question? So do you, that's where you think bioacoustics comes into play? Yeah, I think bioacoustics can be very, uh, very helpful tool to have probably more global uh, inference on ecosystem, like uh, on, a, on a larger scale. If we if we create the same monitoring uh, indices in different countries and different level, we will have the same. Uh, kind of data that can be uh, monitored on a global uh, global level, and that's very important to have that global view, the bigger image about our biodiversity uh, trends. Yeah, and then I remember when we were talking, uh, you said that the like ecology um, system in Tunisia is not as um, like big or um, important as it is here in like the U.S. or not looked as as important as it here is the U.S. or like other countries and what um, are your plans going forward like because I'm assuming once you're done here in the U.S. you plan to go back to Tunisia and do more studies? Yeah so ecology as I said is a young field and we don't have a lot of uh, let's say education around ecology all over the country we have only one master that form around 15 uh, ecologists a year, and not all of them continue in the academic world. So one of the things that I'm planning to do is try to maybe create opportunities to work uh, in ecology or wildlife management fields or even uh, uh, wildlife conservation. And I'm planning to do that by trying to strengthen our network of ecologists in Tunisia, but not only Tunisia, but North African region, and Probably one day uh, we will be able to maybe create more educational program, research program for people next generation who are interested in the field. Perfect. And then, yeah, do you have any other 
um, steps? Like, what are your future steps? Uh, um, for now, I'm trying from my position to, as I told you, to to create a base uh, of this network. I'm trying to communicate about uh, environmental issues in Tunisia, but also elsewhere. And for my next step will be trying to maybe gather more people around the idea of maybe one day make and create an institute for institute for like ecology research or something like that but still way ahead yeah and you said education in the area is huge um how do you think that like you can implement that if at all i'm still not sure about that but uh, it requires a lot of advocacy. Uh, we need to we need to try to convince governments about the importance of the field and try to set um, uh, right environmental policies uh, with other also uh, other non-governmental organization and uh, institution. Maybe um, we can try to strengthen our network with other international organizations that can help with this. Maybe other international American uh, American or U.S.-based uh, university that are interested in um, building the idea around uh, the an institution for ecology research in North Africa. All right, Zakir. Well, to wrap up, is there anything else you want to say about your research or about the association? I just want to say that I've been more than lucky to be surrounded with amazing young researchers and Tunisia scientists who are pushing the limits to um, to make change and that these have been very inspiring for me and I'm a, I am very grateful for it. I'm also very grateful for giving me the opportunity to talk about it, Austin. Yeah, absolutely. It's always a pleasure uh, to talk to you, Zekir. And um, yeah, thank you for coming on. Um, Thank you very much. Yeah, and uh, yeah, have a great New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. All right, that was Zakir Bouragawi of the Tunisian Association for Wildlife.